Whew. In a sense, <laughs> I feel what we've just been doing is a practical example of what I'm going to preach about in a moment, which is wonderful. Uh, so God's here, and uh, let's just keep pressing into him. He's speaking to us. He's encouraging us. My name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central. I'm just going to move these so that I don't crash into them halfway through the message. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central, and I want to give you a very warm welcome, whether you're meeting here in person with us at 140 Clark Street or whether you're meeting us online. It's just good to be with you either way. And uh, we have a number of people visiting us today, and it's wonderful to see that as well. Uh, great to have you with us. I think we've got people from Ontario here. We've got people from PEI here. Uh, we've got people from uh, Brazil here. Um, Bem-vindos aos nossos amigos brasileiros. Um, Google Translate's wonderful. Um, <laughs> it's great to welcome you <laughs> uh, here with us, wherever you are from. Uh, we're coming to the end of uh, our series in Paul's letter to the Philippians. And uh, after this week, we've got just one more message. And after that, on the 20th of September, uh, we will be holding our vision evening. Uh, not evening. I, why do I keep saying evening? Vision seems to go with evening. Our vision morning. Um, and we'll have that at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And uh, we do encourage you to join Joe and I as we share uh, the vision that we uh, feel God is leading us towards as we go into the fall uh, as Christ Central Church. Do try and make sure that you're around for that one. This morning's message is really part two of a message that Joe preached a few weeks ago. Ben's already referred to it. Um, he preached it about worry and anxiety. He preached through uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. So we're going to read those in a moment, and we'll also go on to verses 8 and 9, which we will look at. And uh, so you might want to be turning to that in your Bibles, if you have a Bible. The words will also appear on the screen here, as they already have done. And uh, we'll see that as Paul gets towards the end of the letter uh, to the Philippians, he's getting very practical. Um, he often does this in his letters. He starts with some great theological truths, which really then go on to application. And he says, in the light of those things, here's some application. Here's how you work these things out in your lives. And that's where we're at right now. It's good to always have the first part in context um, as well, so that we are not just coming up with a list of do's and don'ts. Let's read the passage, shall we? Um, Philippians chapter 4. We'll read through verse 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So at first it could look as though Paul is just throwing out a lot of random thoughts to the Philippians at the end of his letter. He's just, you know, just 
lots of things going on. Oh, rejoice. Don't be anxious. Pray. Think about good things. Do what I say and what I do. Um, it, it seems like he's just throwing them all out together. But all of these things are connected in, and they're all relevant to where the Philippians are actually at as a church. Remember, Paul's already been talking to them about how they're really concerned for him because he's in prison. They don't know if his life is going to end, so they're concerned. They sent Epaphroditus to him to comfort him, um, but then he got sick, and the Philippians heard that he got sick, so now instead of just being concerned for Paul, they're concerned for Epaphroditus as well. They're struggling in the church with some people who oppose them and what they believe. They've got some disagreements within the church going on internally. There's, there's arguments going on. Paul names two women uh, who seem to be at the heart of all this, and he says, come on, sort it out. All of these things are going on in the Philippians church, and they're pretty stressed. They're pretty discouraged. There's a lot going on which isn't so good, and Paul wants to really help and encourage them in a practical way. I mean, there's a lot going on too at this time, isn't there? 2020 has been quite a year so far. We've all been affected in one way or another because the world as we've known it has suddenly changed and our culture has changed too. So things like shaking hands and hugging suddenly seem like really weird and out of place, even the thought of it. We have to try and figure out, well, should we see friends or not? Should, how close should we get to them? Um, how should we be with them? Many of our leisure activities have been put on hold. I've not been able to play the sport that I love playing the most, squash. I've not been able to play that since February. Gathering here as a church is just different. We're spaced far apart. We can't pray for each other in the same way that we used to. We haven't shared communion in quite some time. We're actually going to need to figure out how we can do that. Worship at times can seem tricky, although what a wonderful time it was this morning, so encouraging to worship God as we have done. But it can be tricky, especially if you're wearing a mask, which many of us are. Schools have been out for months, and families have had to get used to that, and now we're going to have to get used to going back to school and maybe doing it in a new way again. I mean, how do we feel about going back to school? Kids here, how are you feeling about going back to school, any of you? You can shout out. Feeling excited? You feeling excited? Some of us are feeling excited. Who, what else are people feeling? What? Yeah. <laughs> yep, do you want to say? Kind of a bit like this. Some of, I think that pretty much sums it up. We're a bit like this about it all. We're not so sure. We're a little nervous. Not so sure how it's going to be. We've had to get used to chatting with friends and family online. And then many of us are finding that difficult. We're feeling zoomed out is the phrase that seems to be the phrase that's going around. We don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know if a second wave is coming in the fall. We don't know if that's going to hit our country. We don't know if that's going to hit our province. We don't know how that's going to affect our society. Are we going to go back to the orange phase? Are we going to go back to the red phase? It all seems very uncertain. And that's in a province where actually relatively few of us have, have thankfully, have been impacted by the actual 
sickness of COVID-19 or death of family or loved ones from the virus. But as we try and navigate all of these things, it can actually be helpful to realize that we're, we're probably going through culture shock to one extent or another. Some of us will have heard of the term culture shock. Actually, this is a very relevant phrase to where we're at now. Culture shock can happen when we get immersed in a new culture. And then we begin to hit up against some of the differences between the culture that we came from and the culture that we're in now. Missionaries often struggle with culture shock, um, as do people who move from one country to another to, to um, relocate. Our family went through culture shock probably about six years ago when we moved from the UK to Canada. Um, but now we're all maybe going through it together in one form or another. Culture shock starts really with, with the honeymoon phase, which can be quite exciting. We begin by seeing all the positives about the new thing, the new culture. We say, oh, this is good. Oh, this will give us a lot more time. This will be great. We, we look at the positives. But as time goes on in a new culture, things can get very difficult. And you begin to find everyone and everything quite annoying. And, uh, and, and depressing. And apparently, the toughest time uh, for people who go through culture shock in a new culture is between five and six months into being in the new place. Things can seem overwhelming. We can get fearful, anxious, confused, angry. We can suffer from eating issues, sleeping issues. And we're now six months almost into all of the changes that happened with COVID-19. So some of us, maybe most of us, will be feeling the effects of this from one extent to another. I'm just going to show you a short video clip illustrating maybe some of this, how things have changed from March 2020 to now. Let's just look at this video as we watch it. Okay, working from home. I'm going to be on time every day. Look at my commute. Uh, I'm supposed to be in a Zoom right now. Hey guys, got caught up on a call. Gonna be a little late. Ooh, Tiger King. Okay, I finished it. Tiger King? No, all of Netflix. Guys, I think the lockdown makes sense. We're totally gonna flatten the curve. Okay, so it's not really a curve or like a flat line. It's kind of like up and down like this, like my 10 year old drawing grass a lot. Hey, I'm gonna book a trip for September, you know, when this is all over. Yes, I'm calling to try to cancel my trip because I literally can't get to your country from where I am. You won't let me in. Yes, I am American, but that, hello? I can't find masks anywhere. I think I'm gonna have to learn how to sew. Look at these masks. No, do not order any more masks. You onto your hat. This is what you've done. You no. bought enough masks for the whole neighborhood. Well, ju well, just in case it's dirty and you like to have a backup. You need a backup. Hey, here's another one. This is tie-dye. Guys, let's just enjoy this time together. Hey babe, let's get something on the calendar like so we have something to look forward to. Like a Broadway show or a concert. We can't go anywhere ever. Guys, let's be those people who make bread, like sourdough bread, like make a starter. What is with you people? I just fed you. Here, have some bread. Here, just, it's a meal, it's lunch. Guys, we can't take our trip to Colorado, but we can go hiking and camping in our own backyard. Who wants to go camping again? Yay. 
know, it's so weird. I haven't seen people in like two weeks. I think I'm forgetting how to socialize. Hi, hi, person. Um, words hard. H house leave. Now here, hi. Are you wearing the same clothes as yesterday? I mean, guys, we need to keep up good hygiene. Get in the shower. Mom, I've been in this all week. Nice work, less laundry for me. <laughs> oh, the office is closed for three months? Well, I guess I'll make two. I, I need to get out of this house. Is the office open yet? Well, can you open it? Because I'm on a call! I guess this is just the new normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's just the new normal. No, it is not new. It is but not it's normal. normal. It's not normal. It is actually very old. So no more, no more new normal. All right. No more, no more. Well, I think we get the idea. Apologies for the video there. How we set out in March thinking about where we're at might be very different to how we are thinking about things now. I mention all of this because the chances are it might be affecting you. It's normal to feel like this. It's good to know that actually it's normal. I'm pretty tired the whole time <laughs> right now. The good news is actually in culture shock we will adapt. We'll eventually embrace our new culture. But right now, many of us might be struggling. And these verses in Philippians can speak to us in our situation. They can help us to navigate life right now. And maybe with other things that are going on as well. Paul has some key things to say to help us. Now the key verse in this passage is verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Now before we go much further, we need to understand what Paul is saying here. Because we can read that verse or we can hear that verse and we can think, hey, Paul, give me a break. Look at everything that is going on. How, how can I help how I'm feeling? There's all of these things, all of this uncertainty. And you say, do not be anxious about anything. And then we can start to feel a failure because we do feel anxious. So before we get into what Paul goes on to say, let's deal with that one. Because it's worth realizing that sometimes anxious feelings that we have in certain situations are not bad. Anxious feelings can be good. Our world's a very dangerous place and feeling nervous or anxious when we're walking down a dark street when maybe someone's following us is a good thing. It might actually be a warning to us to take precautions or to be ready to react. So sometimes those anxious feelings are not necessarily bad things. And also, in a fallen world where we have sickness, some of us have actually a chemical imbalance, which means our body reacts in an over-the-top way to situations which might cause us greater anxiety than is normal. So seeking medical advice in that situation, which might lead to taking medication, that might be helpful to help get some of those responses, those over-the-top responses, under control. So I'd just like to be clear and help us to understand what Paul is and isn't saying when he commands us not to be anxious. Because the first thing we have to remember is that he isn't telling us not to feel a certain way. I mean, we can't really command our feelings, can we? We can't command our feelings. I remember the first time I had a girlfriend who ever broke up with me when I was about 17 years old. I mean, the truth is she was absolutely no good for me at all. But she broke up with me, and I felt awful for weeks. I felt the feelings big time. And people telling me to cheer up, and there's plenty more fish in the sea, 
didn't really help me. At the time, I still felt really bad. So can't, Paul can't be commanding our feelings. He's not. He's talking about what we do when we have those feelings. That's what Paul's doing. He's not saying don't feel these things. He's saying Here, when, you, when you feel these things, here's what you can do. And that's when he gets really, really practical. Because we all battle anxiety or worry in one way or another. Because we just don't know how things are going to turn out in life. Nobody does know how things are going to turn out. Even the so-called experts. I was reading the other day about an expert. Either they were an educational expert or a health expert. I can't remember which, but they were being asked about, well, as we go back to school, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a big resurgence in the virus? And, and he said something along the lines of, well, I, I think we're pretty well placed in this province to cope with a potential second wave, touch wood. And I was thinking, great, I'm glad your confidence is in the wood in front of you that you're touching. You know, what, what, what are we basing this hope on? <laughs> touch wood, well, I'll be okay. Well, we don't, we don't really know. We can't control everything in our lives. When we say to people, oh, it's all going to be okay, we don't know that. We don't know that. That's the truth. So there will be times when we feel anxious or worried because we don't know how long COVID-19 is going to be around. We don't know if any of our family or friends are going to get sick or die of it. We don't know when, some of us don't know when we're going to be able to see our families again. Maybe some of us are not going to ever see some of our families again. We don't know what it's going to be like going back to school. We don't know if we're going to lose our job or what's going to happen to the economy. And if we lose our job, are we going to find another job? We don't know if we're going to be able to cope financially. Same as a church. We don't know how we're going to pay for the renovations of this building. If you're, if you're involved in church planting, you don't know how church planting is going to go during a pandemic. We just don't know. We're not in control of these things personally. And we don't like being out of control. So sometimes that gives us these feelings of anxiety and worry. We have to decide how we're going to respond to those feelings. Do we feed them or do we put them to death? and fix our eyes on Jesus. Because we all battle with them. Some of us battle with them more than others. I, I would say I'm not a particularly anxious person. My wife, Debbie, is. She's going to come up and, and share some of her experience soon. So I don't feel nervous about standing up here and, and preaching. But there are some things that I, actually I know that I don't want to do. For example, I never want to go to a party where there's lots of people there. That's just the truth. I never want to go to a party. I, I kind of feel I won't know who I'm going to talk to. I feel that I'm going to be a bit on the edge of things. I've also got, a as some of you know, I've got a facial recognition problem. So I know if I'm talking to someone on my own, I might not actually really know who you are, even if I do know you. I remember going to a party once, and uh, earlier that day, some of you will know these people, some might not. Earlier that day, I'd been out, and I'd seen um, Tracy Kaiser. She, she was at King's Landing, and I'd been chatting to her. And then that evening, I went to a party on my own, and Wendy Fleming was there, 
And I went up to her and I said, oh, fancy seeing you twice in one day. How did you enjoy King's Landing? And Wendy's looking at me just going, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then suddenly halfway through the conversation, I realized I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't know. So I hate going to parties. I really hate going to parties. But if I give in to all those feelings, I would honestly, I'd never go to a party again. Hey, the great news in COVID-19 is I don't have to. Yay. <laughs> we all battle with different stuff. We all battle with different things to one extent or another. Two weeks ago, Joe looked at verses 4 to 7. He shared a few helpful, practical things which Paul highlights, which can help us deal with our anxiety. Let's just remember what they were. Firstly, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Worship God. Praise God for who he is and for what he's done. That's what we were doing this morning. Jesus doesn't change even though our circumstances do. Our circumstances will always have some element of negativity. There's always something which isn't perfect or wonderful about them, but Jesus always is wonderful and perfect, and he doesn't change. So as we rejoice, we're not rejoicing in the things that we're struggling with. We don't rejoice in our sickness or our troubles or our debt. We oh, praise God in this. You know, we, we praise God despite those things. We rejoice in Jesus who will always be with us. And if we die, which is the worst case scenario, we'll be with him forever. So we rejoice. And, and rejoicing in God says, says, God, you're good. You're at work. You're with me and you're teaching me through this even when I've got all this stuff going on and even when I'm feeling like I'm feeling. Prayer. Prayer. Talking to Jesus about how you're feeling. Reminding him of the truths of his word. Not just a formal prayer, but a relationship. And we can do that on our own. We can do that when we're in situations. We can do it together. We're going to do that together this evening. We're going to come together here in person, and we're going to be praying, and we can do some of these things. We can actually bring some of the things that we're struggling with to Jesus. And we can know the peace of God. We can know peace when we realize and accept that God is in control, even when we aren't. And, and the burden of responsibility can lift, and we don't have to be weighed down by it. Those are some of the things that Joe preached on a few weeks ago. You can listen to his message. It was really helpful, and listen to those points in a bit more detail. Let's move on to what Paul is saying here in verse 8. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul is saying we can choose what we think about in these situations. We can choose what we think about. It might be a battle for us, but we can do it. We don't have to let our feelings be in control of our thoughts. If we let our feelings be in control of our thoughts, it's as though they're God. Our feelings are not God. God is God. We don't have to make them God in our life. They're not sovereign. So we can choose to train our minds to think about things, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. We can make choices about what we watch on TV, on social media, what we read about, 
what we do and think about in our entertainment. What are the lyrics of the music that we're listening to? What are we feeding our minds with? And what are we actively thinking about? Because all of those things makes a difference to our whole beings. And thinking about these things is more than just thinking about like flowers or rivers or mountains, beaches, even though actually getting into God's creation is a really helpful thing to do. One of the popular strategies that's coming into our society these days more and more is, is mindfulness. And it would often take a version of some of these thoughts and ideas and say, okay, what we need to do is slow down. We need to center in. We need to focus on some of these things. Eat a piece of apple and focus on how it really tastes in your mouth, how it feels in your mouth. Just, just get focused in. I'm all for a lot of that. I'm all for slowing down and appreciating things. I love going out for meals. You know those meals that you, some people go out for? We like doing this, where you go and you, you don't really get a meal. You just get a little bit on your plate. <laughs> And, uh, and then you just eat a little bit at a time and you've got to taste it and everything. Sometimes I post pictures on Facebook of things like that and people go, that's a meal? <laughs> so we love doing that, like savor the taste of things. It, that's, that's the kind of thing. Paul's talking about more than that. He's not just talking about that. Some of those are good things. He's talking about more than that. He's talking about focusing in on God's truth. He's talking about reminding ourselves of some of the Attributes, attributes of God. Some of the truths in Scripture. Gene really helpfully illustrated that today in, a, in difficult situations. What did she do? She went to Scripture. She reminded herself of the truth of God's Word. Reminding ourselves of who God is, who we are in Him, what He's done for us, what His promises are, the hope that He gives us. And it's not just thinking about these things, it's practical too. It's putting it into practice, believing and applying the truths of Scripture. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. We often just want the feelings. Just, just tell us the God of peace is with us. Let, let us feel the, the good feelings. Paul is saying, live your lives based on the truth that you find in the Bible and know that the God of peace will be with you. Don't just hear the word of God preached or read about it. Act on it. God's word is meant to be acted upon. Sometimes that means believing God's word and stepping out and doing something that we feel scared about. Sometimes it means just believing in God's faithfulness in the choices that we make. Sometimes it means just pressing into worship. That's what we did this morning. We pressed into worship and the peace of God comes. We're actively engaging rather than just standing and saying, oh, I'm not feeling great, oh, God, just do something. No, actually God's word says, worship, rejoice, sing about the good things, and then the God of peace will come. There's an active part of it. In Matthew 7, Jesus talks about uh, a story of two builders, doesn't he? And, and one was a man who built his house on sand, and another who built his house on rock. One of the kids, what happens to the one who built his house on the sand. Any of the kids know? The man who built his house on the sand, what happened? Yeah, I see us. And uh, you want to shout it out? It got destroyed. It did. The, the storm came and it got destroyed. What happened to the one who built his house on the rock? It did rain, and then what happened to the house? 
Say again, I heard two of you there. It survived. Absolutely. Okay. What was Jesus' point in that? He said, anyone who does what is like the man who built his house on the rock. What did Jesus say we have to do to be like the man who built his house on the rock? Anyone? That's a bit of a harder question. Anyone remember what it said? Any kids remember to start off with? The adults are thinking, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to come to us soon. (laughs) Any adults remember? What was it that we have to be like to be the man who built his house on the rock? Anyone who hears these words of mine, he said, and puts them into practice. That's what Jesus said. It's not just hearing. It's not just reading. It's hearing, reading, putting them into practice. That's what Paul was saying. It's like a man who built his house on the rock, and it survives in the time of trouble. All right. I'm going to ask Debbie to come and just share how she applies these verses to her life. And, uh, and then I'm just going to wrap things up afterwards. Come on up. Good. There's nothing like being asked to stand up here and speak into a microphone to fill me with huge anxiety, I have to say. <laughs> it's like great. See, that's the difference between me and you. Experiential. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to um, put some meat on the bones in terms of how this scripture works for me in real life. And and I think probably, especially for those of us prone to anxiety, but I think it's relevant to all of us because worries kind of with all of us, I think, in any way. Um, Just to say, I'm no way an expert on this, although I am quite an expert on anxiety. Um, But, um, and it's often a daily practice, a daily battle for me to put this into practice. Um, I've struggled with anxiety and depression all of my adult life um, and much of my teen years as well. Um, There have been times when the anxiety has been life-limiting for me um, and there's other times it's more like in the background, like a dull ache, but it's pretty much present a lot of the time. Medication brings some help, but it's not a total solution um, and there's still dark days. I've often struggled with making sense of biblical scriptures about anxiety and worry and felt condemned because I don't feel like I match up to what it says. Um, But as Mark's kind of already said, I've realized, I've come to realize that there's a crucial difference between what I feel, the anxiety, and what I choose to do, the worry. Um, I do feel anxiety in extremes um, because my body is kind of a bit messed up with all of that and um, it's kind of a bit like Jean was talking about, about that clock. That part of my body kind of is is a bit in overdrive. Um, I can choose to listen to my body in that instance, which is really tempting, Um, and I can choose to worry, or I can remind myself what it says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? and a lot of the times, my anxiety is, is a bit deceitful. It tells me things that aren't always true, and it can mess with my head. Um, so just to give you a real-life example, this week has been difficult. My anxiety has been really high this week, and COVID is, is biting um, right now. So the temptation is right now for my thoughts to run all over the place. Um, the trouble with this is um, 
this kind of disorder in my thinking causes me to worry more, not less. Um, and if you picture my, my worries being like a hungry animal um, demanding food, if I fixate on my worries or focus on my anxiety and go down that route of what if, blah, 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 um, it feeds this beast um, and it grows. Um, I can choose to be distracted. That can seem like a, an appealing prospect, um, but often that leads to temp temptation in other areas, and that's not great either. Um, positive thinking, another worldly technique, feels like I'm living a lie because I've still got this conflict inside. Um, and truthfully, some worries are based in some reality. You know, we live in a troubled world and the worst could happen. Sometimes it does. But it's only God and his word that can bring order and clarity to my thoughts. So by his spirit, I can choose to fix my mind on what the Bible says and tell myself truth. In the night, the worst time for me, when sleep deserts me, I'm the most vulnerable. And sometimes it just looks like me just praying, God help me, through the night until I, it's time to get up. Um, in the daytime, I have to kind of use kind of routine and rhythms to come back to God and remind myself of truth. It doesn't kind of happen naturally. My thoughts don't get into line naturally. Um, and I, I do things like pray, pray the Psalms. So I pray the words that are in the Psalms. I talk to God, I write it down. I sing songs with truth to God. And I ask God to give me the ability to keep worshiping um, because it's through worship that I see how big God is and how able he is of to, to deliver me of all my troubles. I love those, that song where we sang this morning, breathe, call these bones to live. Once again, I'll praise and I often ask God to help me to praise because um, it feels so difficult. Um, and I believe this is what the Bible talks about when it says thinking on what is lovely. Um, just to conclude, my feelings are often quite extreme and at times it can be hard to have hope. Um, and I do pour out my heart to God. I tell him the good and the bad. I don't just kind of stuff it down. Um, I ask him to lift my head and remind me of truth and help me. I have learned not to give my feelings a lot of credence, to be honest, um, because they can be so distorted. I'm not at all claiming this is easy. It's really hard work. Um, I call on God to give me gifts of faith to believe the truth despite my feelings. I talk to people in the church, friends in the church, and ask them to pray for me. But I'm, my default is to endeavor to assume that God has my back, and the Bible tells me he will guard my heart and mind, and I keep going. Thank you, Debbie. All right, so let's wrap up. How can we find peace in the midst of our troubles? All that we've said, by taking the word of God, by actively believing it, and by applying it into our lives. As I've said, we can put some of it into practice even this evening. We can worship, we can rejoice in God, and then we can bring the situations that we're facing and present our requests to him. And we'll do that this evening. Or you can do it where you are. And then by the power of the Spirit who dwells in us, we can continue day by day to just put some of these truths into practice and seek God's peace. Ben, I don't know if you've got a song that you can end with if you want to start to make your way back up. I'm just going to pray as we conclude today. Why don't we all stand together?
as I said, this is something that we all face to one extent or another. It's a battle for all of us. Let's come to God. Let's just lift our hands before him. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you have forgiven us, that we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, that we are free of guilt and shame. I thank you you have brought us into your family. We're adopted in. I thank you we can come and we can speak to you and we can tell you everything that is going on in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds and we can pour it out to you. And that we can speak truth from your word to ourselves and we know that your Holy Spirit is with us and you will pour it out upon us as we ask and that you will bring us peace in the midst of a world full of turmoil and uncertainty. I pray, just teach each one of us to practically apply these things, these truths day by day in our lives. And that day by day we would know you and get through and worship you. And I thank you we have a hope that is eternal and wonderful and sure and certain. Pray all this and thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Why don't we just